What's up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the host of the People's Party. I know you've been enjoying it so far. We thank you for your love and support. We got more People's Party coming up. We got all types of situations that you're going to want to tune into and never forget to watch. Talib Kweli, Jasmine Lee, it is the People's Party. Let's go. How you doing, party people? This is Talib Kweli. Welcome to another edition of the People's Party with Talib Kweli and my lovely and talented co-host, Jasmine Lee in the place to be. Make some noise, give it up. What's up? <laughs> it's very rambunctious in here tonight. I know. There's a lot of great energy in here tonight. And you know why? It's because our next guest brings a lot of energy. I party feel it people. already. You can feel the energy, yeah, right? Yeah, I feel you it You can feel here. the electricity in the air, right? This guy's from Houston, Texas. That's why I got my Houston hat on. Shout out to the Astros. He is a multi-Grammy winner. That's important in the state. Mm -hmm. He's worked with some of your favorite artists, from Bilal to Kendrick Lamar to Common to Lupe Fiasco to Yasin Bey to myself. Uh, he did the music for the 13th documentary. Did the music for the Miles Ahead with Don Cheadle. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest working jazz pianists of all time. <laughs> But definitely of this generation, give it up for Robert Glasper and the motherfucker. Woo! What up, what up, what up? I like that intro. You like that intro? I didn't hear the last part. What was the last part? One of the greatest jazz pianists of all time. Of all time. I'm gonna say pianist, period. Pianist. Oh. Greatest, one of the greatest pianists of all time. Period. That's right. We're gonna I mean, get into that. We're gonna this is gonna be a genre box. bending. Conversation. One hundred percent. How you doing, Robert? I'm good, man. I'm good. This man sees more. <laughs> <laughs> this man sees Yasin Bay more than I do. <laughs> he does. I He's the new <laughs> member of Blackstar. I am. I'm the third member. Are That's you right. emptying your pockets right now? No, I'm just taking out my my toothpicks. Oh. You right. just did a Yasin Bay impersonation upstairs. I did. I did. Can we see it? <laughs> Yo, like you know what I mean, like. Quali, like, come on. <laughs> like, mad lip, quali. Like, there's no, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what the new Black Star album sound like. That's the intro. That's the intro, right? Exactly. There. So, um, you're from Houston, Texas. I'm from Houston, Texas, yes. My father lives there. Really? Yeah, he's a, um, he works at TSU at the band. Shut up. He, he works at the like band at TSU? Instrument. Yeah. What? He, he runs the drummers. That's correct. I, I was the pianist for the TSU Jazz Ensemble when I was in 10th grade. How not just jazz. Do you know Daryl Singleton? I don't know anybody there now. Oh, okay. I mean, that was, <laughs> I was, like, that was 1995. I was, a, I was a 10th grade, but I was the pianist for the college jazz band. Wow. Because I rocked. <laughs> I don't think he was We're starting off with a rocking start, <laughs> right? Um, That's crazy, yeah. Yeah, Houston, Texas. When mm -hmm. I was working at Akira Books in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. circa 94, 95, 96, you were in Brooklyn a lot. Were you living in Brooklyn at that time? Uh, I, got to, I got to New York in 1997. Okay, so around that time, there was a burgeoning scene. I had the bookstore. I'm doing open mics with Yasin. You had yeah. Frank's Place. You had the Brooklyn Moon Cafe. You had all the poets. You had Saul Williams, Jessica Care, Moore, Mums, The Schemer. You had... Common living in the area yep. at Fort Greene. You had Erica Badu living above four, four circle and a square. Yep. Right? Yep. 
and uh, Bilal was in the area, yep. and you were doing music with Bilal. You were going to the new school with Bilal at the time. Exactly. Right? Yep. Um, you were teaching Common how to play piano. Yes. I didn't even know who he was. Right. <laughs> Tell me about that. So me and Bilal met the first uh -huh. day of school. That you know when you, when you uh, first day of school they got all the freshmen into a room and they were like okay and they and they called people by name to get up on stage and play with each other. Right. And they actually called me and Bilal up together. Wow. Yeah. So I always say they called us up together and we never left the stage. You know right, what I mean? Right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. So they called us up together and we became like best friends that day because there was only like seven black people there anyway. So uh, from there, you know, you know, uh, we started working on music in my dorm room. Okay. And we wrote like Bilal didn't have housing. Okay. <laughs> really? So his living situation was really weird. Bilal's from Philly, right? He's from Philly. Right. So his living situation was weird. I got a girlfriend at the time. My freshman year, I got a girlfriend who had her own dorm room. So I never stayed in my actual dorm. Oh, wow. Room. College life. Yeah, so Bilal right. actually took over my dorm room because my roommate lived with his girlfriend, really, mm. anyway. So it was open. So we kind of used that as a studio. So I had my keyboard in there, and we would go in there and write songs. And we wrote, like, When Will You Call, mm. All That I Am, all these songs. When Will You Call, Jesus. Yeah, in oh. my dorm. <laughs> so, and the, and the When Will You Call You Here is actually the demo. You know, and that's what got Bilal signed. Anyway, from that, you know, he was rocking with you and Common and Eric and all these people. So I met all of them through him. Uh, long story short, I moved to Brooklyn. Uh, me and my girlfriend at the time moved to Brooklyn. And I lived two blocks from Bilal. He was on Leffert's place. I was on Biggie's. I was on St. James. Right. I was on St. James between Gates and Green. Rashid was on uh, Colum, uh, like a few blocks down. Clifton or something. He was in that. He yeah. was in one of the new house, new apartments exactly. they just built. And Erica was like two blocks from there, right, right there, off of Fulton. Off of Fulton. So, right. yeah. So um, Bilal was like, "Yo, my man, he a rapper. You know, he wants to, he wants to learn how to play piano. Can you, you know?" And I met him at one of them uh, Roots jam sessions. You were playing it with the Roots a lot at the <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, Bilal introduced to the Amir, so I would go to the jam sessions with him. And we would hang out and jam, and I was known as Bilal's jazz friend. You know, they all come in the jazz friend. Where's your jazz friend at? Right. You know, and I saw James Poyser play too, and I was like, what, what is that? I didn't right. know what that was. I right. saw James play, and Bilal was trying to show me before I met James how to play in that style, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Bilal's one of my favorite musicians of all time. He's my favorite singer of all time. Yeah, there's nothing that he can't do. He actually, um, you know, we live next door to each other. Mm hmm. Um, mm -hmm in Brooklyn. and um, I was my, at your crib the other day. Yeah, you my children. There. Yeah, You're the kids play. <laughs> yeah, my, my son plays drums very loudly. Yep. He's <laughs> in trouble. I played with him. Okay, yeah. Me and Bilal, because my son was playing, I brought my son over to play with Bilal's kids. Okay. And then we went across this hall to you where your son was. Right. And me and your son jammed. I don't condone what that apartment looks like. Yep. <laughs> I have nothing to do with that. I raised him better than that. I played that raggedy upright piano, but it, yeah. it had a vibe though. It had a vibe. That, that piano was, that piano is my grandmother Javodi Green's piano wow. oh. that yeah. was in her house up until the time that she passed away. Yeah, vibe. And, yeah, and then it came to my father's house, and then when my father moved into a smaller apartment because he didn't want to take care of a big house anymore, that piano was living in my house. That piano's been in my apartment for years until my son turned about 20. Wow. And then I realized how much he was into music, so I got it tuned. It's been out of yeah. tune the whole time. Yeah. Got it tuned up and yep. moved it into his apartment. Yep, And he's exactly. been getting busy. Yeah, exactly. He has. He's, he's killing, too. Sounds yeah, great, man. bro. Yeah, so um, I started going over Common's house, giving him piano. He had a Rhodes, and I would give him piano, and he, and he only wanted to learn how to play Roy Air songs. <laughs> so, of course. <laughs> that's what the girls like. I was talking about her. And it was crazy about the Common whole time. Common was in there like, we live in Brooklyn, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Brooklyn now. 
<laughs> and I remember, like, since I was Bilal's jazz friend, I remember, like, when I met Erica. <laughs> I keep hearing my name. I'm like, <laughs> jazz friend. Yeah, I was the jazz friend. So I remember when I met Erica and, and, and uh, you know, she, I, there was one time where she called me and she was like, hey, I have this idea for a jazz tune that I did. I want to know what your thoughts are, you know? So she said, can we, can I play it for you? And I was like, cool. She's like, I'll, I'll just come where you are. I was like, cool. Right. So I went and got her from her crib and we walked from her crib to my crib, which is probably like 10 blocks, 12 blocks. Right. It was like Rocky. Remember how Rocky ran right. down the street right. and all the people started jogging after him, <laughs> running? Me and Erica were walking down the street and slowly but surely, like after 10 minutes of walking, it was probably like 50 people following. You know, like following, like, oh my God, it's Erica Badu. You know, right. it's crazy down the street. So she came up and she played it for me. We talked about it and it was uh, uh, Orange Moon. Orange Moon. And it was that. She was like, what were your thoughts? You right. know, like, it was like, I was like crazy. Those were like. I went on that tour, on the Mama's Gun Tour. Word. Seeing her perform Orange Moon every night. Man, yeah, those were those were awesome days, man. Now, you started playing in the church? Yep. My mom was the minister of music. My mom was like Whoopi Goldberg on Sister Act. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's my favorite movie. <laughs> she was like that. So she, Monday through Saturday, she sang at R&B clubs, funk clubs, disco, jazz clubs, country clubs. She had a thing where she did every week. She sang in a barn. She sang country music in a barn in, in Houston. She was the epitome of like just a musical mutt. You know what I mean? Oh. Like she loved all kinds of music and performed it. And then on Sundays she was the minister of music at the church. Right. So I didn't get into I didn't get into playing piano until I was eleven. Okay. Playing with one finger, listening to songs on the radio, picking them out. Because I thought I, I was really into sports until I was fifteen years old. Mm. Hardcore. I was into sports more than music till I was fifteen. Um, and so yeah, so I I um, I used to there was a broke organ in the corner of the church. It was one of the storefront churches. So it was like if it was packed out, it was like twenty people. It was crazy. It was 20 right. people. It was a broke right. organ in the front. So they just let me be in the corner, figure out the church songs on my own whenever. And then I just became, I got good fast, you know, and I just started, I, I became the principal musician there. And then I moved on and went to a bigger church, you know, and I started playing. So by the time I was a junior, I was playing a junior in high school. On Saturdays, I was playing at a seven-day Venice church. On Sunday early morning, I was playing at a Catholic church. And Sunday mornings at 11, I was playing wow. at a Baptist church. Um, I, I was balling. You were a church money. <laughs> all, all the church money. <laughs> all the church money. I was out there. I was slanging church. I was slanging <laughs> communion. Slanging keys. Slanging communion. Like slanging I them keys. <laughs> <the> communion. <laughs> I have a lot of musician friends, and you know, I work with bands a lot. And yep. I work with a lot of cats who might play with me one day and yep. play with Erica tomorrow or something. Yep. You know, and um, if they didn't grow up in the church. If they learned it at like Berkeley or something like that, right. they have to go to the church at some point. Yeah. How necessary do you feel like that black church experience is to playing music? You know what I realized? I realized that um, as an artist, now I'm an artist, people ask me like, why are you so comfortable? You're so comfortable on stage. And I realized like I've been playing in front of a, I actually forgot, I played drums for a church when I was six. Mm. Wow. I played drums for the, the children's choir. <laughs> at the church when I was six, but the church was a 10,000 people church, you know what I mean? Right. So I just got used to playing in front of people. Mm -hmm. And when you play in church too, you learn how to connect spiritually with the music and with people, 
You know what I mean? Because it's your job to usher in the spirit, and mm -hmm. people are crying, and you're trying. You're you're providing that space. Right, that's your job. You're being yeah. paid to do it. Your 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 job is to provide that space for them to be able to be pray or whatever it is. You know, to so for me, I took that, and that's what I put in all of my music. This that space to give people. I always say I want my music to be a big up, up an apartment, and you can move your own furniture in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you get the space to to do whatever you need to do within within my music. Make it your own. Right. Yeah. And I got that from church. And and like just just the 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 immediate connection that you're playing something and people are listening and they're crying and they're praying and they're praising God and it's you're facilitating that. Mm, you know what I mean? It's powerful. It's very powerful. It's very powerful. So it it's for me it was it was it was very important. Right. You know. Now that's type type of music I can imagine is very different than improvisational jazz music. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're playing in a church, you're playing standards, you're playing things that people can sing along with and know, mm -hmm. um, and you have to have all that. But when you got signed to Blue Note, I've read about how you purposefully did these first couple of albums, these trio albums, yep. to sort of make your mark in that improvisational jazz world. Exactly. Why did you feel like that was so important? Yeah, because at 2005... That's when I got signed. By then, I was already played with Bilal and <clears throat> even Riasin. Right. Because of the, when Bilal got signed, I was his music director. So I met all these people through him. So I had a pretty good Rolodex then. So I could have did the right. album where I have a lot of people then. But I, I, I took a page from Herbie. You know what I mean? I feel like I needed to solidify myself especially being black as a jazz pianist, so I can get the respect right. first. Speak to that about, because I've yeah. heard you speak on that about, about just the challenges of being an African-American. The challenges of being an African-American in playing African-American music, That's, which is weird. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. People don't really understand. <laughs> right. Jazz which man is, is literally from Really weird, people. you know what I mean? And right. so that many people are quick to label you as the gospel piano player or the pop or the, or the hip-hop piano player or the soul piano player. Jazz is the intellectual music. I mean, so is hip hop. Mm -hmm. You know, every 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 genre of music has its own way of being intellectual. You know what I mean? You have to study it to really understand it. You know what I'm saying? But jazz to me to me, when you play jazz, it's like having a black belt in music. Like you have to know you have to be so good just to be bad. Right. You know what I mean? Like to be a bad jazz musician, you're still most likely better and know more you know more information than the best musicians in any other genre. Right. So you, you got to be bad, you got to be kind of good. You right. know what I mean? Just to play the songs because mm -hmm. the songs are crazy, the melodies and everything. So there's a certain amount of skill you have to have just going in before you're even bad at it. You mm. know what I mean? And and so as a, they don't like to give us, they don't like to give us the, oh, well, you're intellectual mm -hmm. thing. You know what I mean? So I wanted to kill that noise first. So then anything I do after that, they can't say shit. People can't say anything. You know what I mean? If I were right. to start off with black radio, it never works when you do something else and then you try to go to jazz. Right. Mm -hmm. I've seen that in history. Doesn't work. Doesn't even matter if you're great. They won't give it to you. But now they right. can't say anything. I've already, I've already, it's already on wax. I can point right. at it and you can't say anything. But they still will try to test you. Yeah. Because, you know, one of my musical heroes, Branford Marcellus, yep. uh, recently in a magazine talking about you and Kamasi Washington, and Kamasi yep. somebody I have a great deal of respect for as well. Yep. He suggested, he didn't suggest, he actually said 
that y'all have a limited jazz vocabulary. Bullshit. And yeah. I feel like the point that he was, <laughs> wow. the point, you know, he was being, I feel like, you know, I grew up in the era of Buckshot LaFunk. Yep. And the era of where Branford was pushing against the jazz elitist yeah. and the jazz traditionalist yeah. and even his own brother in yeah, certain ways. And he's working with Gangstar. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the music that he made in that era with Premiere. Yeah. And how they, they influenced Guru to do Jazzmatazz. It's very important to my development as, yeah. a, as a writer, as an MC. So how did it feel for Branford, who's supposed to represent what you represent, mm -hmm. to come at you like that? It felt terrible, to be honest, because I, I looked up to Branford. Mm -hmm. I looked up to him, and one of my favorite piano players, Kenny Kirkland, was in Branford's band for years, you know, right. and my son's middle name, Riley Kirkland Glasper, you know, because of that, because of Branford album. So, and, and the thing is, they didn't even ask him what they thought about my jazz playing. That wasn't even a question. The question right. was like, you did Buckshot LaFunk, how do you feel about how, how Robert Glasper's crossing over? Do you feel like he was familiar with your jazz? It was just like- I did Robert's a record with Branford when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a Bob Hurst record, bass player Bob Hurst. It was his record and it was Bob Hurst, myself, Branford, and Jeff Tane Watts. Mm -hmm. and he knows I can play. Okay. He knew back then. But my thing is, even if you didn't know I can play, you do your research before you say something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he says, and if you ask Robert, he'll tell you the same thing. That's what pissed yeah. me off. Yeah. You, if you ask me, I'm going to say the same thing. If you know me, if anybody knows me, you I, say that's, the exact opposite. I will say the exact opposite. Right. That's what makes me. That's what makes me who I am right now. Because right. when it comes to crossing over, right now I'm the epitome of that. I'm the epitome. I'm, as far as when it comes to the piano. Like, I don't just, I'm arguably one of the best in jazz. You can argue that. You right. can say Robert Glass in the top five, and nobody's going to argue that. You can put right. me in an argument. Right. You can put me in an argument as best top five hip-hop piano players. Right. You can put me in an argument as the best top five R&B piano players. You know what I mean? Like, that's not even, that's facts. Right. You know, I know where right. I stand. That's facts, you know? Right. And I studied the music. I study everything I do. Mm -hmm. I don't look down. A lot of jazz musicians look down. They feel like you have to look down at other music. And it's like, y'all can't play this Dilla beat. Right. Y'all can't play this Dilla beat the way it's supposed to be played. Y'all right. don't even have the, you don't even understand what that's going, what's going right. on a right A lot there. of hip hop is recorded out of tune on purpose. 100%. And so a lot of musicians, just from my experience, it becomes a problem when you're a musician trained in the church, trained through jazz, trained professionally, mm -hmm. trying to play hip hop. The best you're going to get is interpolation. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I got a chance to play with Dilla, like in his place in Detroit. While he's on the MC, on, on the MP, and I'm on the rows, like having right. jam sessions with right. him and Bilal. You know, we go eat, come back to the crib, jam for hours, he would record it, and then we would go to a club, a strip club, right. a regular club, and he would give the DJ what we did that afternoon. Right. Give it to the DJ, and the DJ would play it in the club. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, yo, she's stripping right now. Naked right. to what we just did. And Dilla's this like, afternoon. go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so crazy that in art forms or whatever, like no matter what art form you're in, it's like different uh, genres of that art form are like combative. Because like when you talk about rap and you have like the mumble rappers and then like the conscious rappers, you talk about comedy, you have like the stand up comics and then the Instagram comics and then you have like right. the hip hop jazz and then the regular jazz and then the classical music. It's like crazy where. Everyone can't just respect their own art form. Everything is respectable. That's mumble rap. Mumble rap ain't new. That's mumble R&B, mumble everything. Right. I, I still don't know what James Brown ever said. D'Angelo. <laughs> D'Angelo, Anita. There's so many people you can look at. Like, <laughs> right. He's speaking to D-Bonics. Yeah, but if it feels good and it registers and it channels something, right. that's hey. It's something for everybody. It's something for everybody. And my right. thing is that's the, that's the, that's the um, tradition of music. Like, 
what comes after you when you're older, you're not going to, you don't really understand. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. It's not for you to understand, but you have to respect it. You respect it. You know what I mean? Like my son, my son's 10, but he's a, he's a music, super music guy. Like he can list all the, he can list the songs of the key of life in order. Thriller right. in order. Herbie, queen, any Herbie's Queen like album that. in order. Oh yeah. my gosh, I've been obsessed him. with Queen lately ever since the movie. My son is too. He <laughs> can tell you anything about Queen right now. Listen. Anything. He had a piano recital last month, I mean two, a few months ago, and he did uh, rap, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. He played it and sang it. He, I just got right. an electric guitar yeah. because of Queen. And yeah. I feel like as soon as I open it, I'm going to be a freaking But at the same person. time, he knows he loves what I love, but at the mm-hmm. same time, there's things that I don't necessarily like that comes in the radio. He'd be like, oh, I love this song. You right. know, and I'm like, hey, that's, that's, that's awesome. Right. That's what's Not supposed to happen. Yeah, for sure. If I like everything new, something's wrong. Right. That <laughs> makes you cloud chase. <laughs> Yeah, something's wrong. But they're not growing because music is supposed to change with the times. 100%. That's what I say to people all the time when people, when, uh, when jazz purists try to say, oh, well, that, you can't mix that with jazz and you can't do this with jazz and that's not jazz and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yo, the tradition of jazz, the actual tradition is that it always changes. Mm. In the 20s, it sounded like the 20s. In the 30s, sound like the 30s. 40s, 50s, 60s. It sounded like that era. That's the whole point. That's the purpose. Right. It's a reflection of the time period you're in. You know what I mean? So if, if 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 I'm not reflecting my time period right now, I'm not doing my job. Right. There's no history being made. It's a, I'm the, right. John Coltrane will come back to life to not, right now and be mad as hell. Like, right. what the fuck? I did that already. Coltrane was trying to roll out <laughs> Pharrell Sanders, and the rest of the community was looking at him like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. yeah. It's like that. that's what it's supposed to. It's supposed to change, and the and the older cats are supposed to be like, I don't understand it, but hey, right. this is new, and this, hey. You know that? And you're right. Herbie's exactly like that, man. I right. love Herbie, man. Herbie's it's crazy because like uh, <laughs> I failed jazz history twice. And, uh, How do you fail jazz history? Her name is Jazz. Was, I know. It was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a throwaway elective, and the teacher took it so freaking seriously. It's a serious thing. So the third time I took it, I had to cheat, right? So I used to have like little. How do you cheat at jazz? <laughs> you, you gotta the order. He would give you the CDs. She's writing down shit on her arm. I have, you have to know the order of a CD? He would give, he, he played it, he knew we cheated. He okay. gave it like, cause he gave us like, he, it would, the songs would be in order and we would have to like do the test and like remember <laughs> who was the conductor of it. So I would just have my little paper and I'd be like, that's like the first time I cheated. Right. So I was like, I cannot fail this class again. I'm about to pay, pay for it. Right. I can imagine kids now, like in high school, like what if we had phones in high school? Oh boy. I, can't what imagine. If, I don't even know what, like. I can't imagine. Yo, like, really like. <laughs> <laughs> We had phones in high school, but it was not high tech. It wasn't a smartphone. Oh, you young. That's it right. You're a millennial. I had the version mobile, and all we had was Snake or whatever. We didn't have no internet. Man, but, I like, even with writing papers I and all these things. I got a Skytel pager when I was 15 years old. Oh. Whoa. Were you, were you paging yourself the answers to tests? No, I wasn't. <laughs> My parents were paging me, like, where you at? Right. Yep. Um, you just went into that most deaf thing again. Um, <laughs> you speak a lot about Yasin and... Common being your favorite collaborators to work with mm-hmm. in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Explain why. Um, I tend to love to collaborate with people who love jazz right. in a real way. Right. And people that can become a part of the band, like a horn player almost. Because most people, when they, most artists tend to be the artist. And right. it's not necessarily. You're the background. You were the background. Right. But when it comes to Common and, and, Mo, and you, same thing. Like, yeah, I try sometimes. It's not even trying. It's, it's, it's just, it is. You know what I mean? You become a natural part of it. And whatever, whatever frequencies we're, 
we throw at you, you're kind of there. Oh, we're going here? Right, right, right. We're going here? Especially me, because I have ADD. I have musical ADD. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I love to just go here and go That's there. That's what black radio is. That's what black radio is, 100%. Right. It's a big-ass ADD record. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they kind of just go with the flow and can, and can you, whatever you throw at them, it's, 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 it's right. music in the moment all the time. And I love that. Like, we can create. Like, when we leave the stage, there's going to be something that we created on that stage tonight that That's never, unique. that did not exist mm. before That's we right. hit the stage. That's right. Like, I'm not a fan of Pure going art. up and playing rap covers, and that's all we did all night. Mm -hmm. Sure, let's play a few songs, but I want something to go into something that we've never done. You know what I mean? And that's where the magic is. That's mm -hmm. where, to me, that's what separates the men from the boys. That's what separates the, you know, the little girls from the women. You know, right. like, it's like, you, when you can be in the moment and actually create something, that's, that's where the art is to me. What's the best jazz sample in hip-hop of all time? Ooh. Can I get three at least? Why I'll you give you one. one. I'll give you three. <sighs> I'll give you three. And we'll see if we agree. <sighs> it's going to be my favorite things, things that register to right, me. Right, right. This is, this is a subject. Okay. I'm going to go with Come Inside My Love. Okay. Midnight Marauders. Okay. Which many Lyrics Ripperton, to go. Many, many Ripperton is from Houston. Je Joe Sample's from Houston. And Joe Sample was also on that record. And from so Houston. that record resonates with you. Resonates with me. But before I knew who was on it, I was like, what is this? Right. Because also, it's a three-bar loop. Right. And I love odd Yeah, Q-Tip. Let's just give it up for Q-Tip one time. Tip. You know Tip. what I'm saying? Like, he's the father of so many styles. 100%. In particular, records like Lyrics to Go. So, like, we should all... <laughs> Boy, like, way. you, Quali, we... <laughs> <laughs> he has the biggest hands in hip hop, first of all. <laughs> Tip has the biggest hands in hip hop. Right. Just throw that out there, too. Let's smack the shit out of Donald Trump. 100%. Real quick. <laughs> Get your little hands out of here. 100%. 100%. 100%. Um, when I first heard Midnight Marauders and I first heard Lyrics to Go, I was like, what is that? You know, because the chords are just. That got oh. you into hip hop, right? 100%. Yeah. Midnight Marauders got me into hip hop. That's what got me. Because okay. I, I lived in the suburbs of Houston. I didn't know nothing about what they were saying. Right. I didn't understand nothing what y'all was talking about. You know what I mean? But. The music part is what attracted me. And Tribe Called Quest was, you know, they're known for mixing jazz and hip hop. Right. So a lot of that stuff, oh, that's Red Clay. You know, oh, right. that's Freddie, this, Hubbard. Blah, blah. Freddie you, Hubbard. You just knew it off top. Off top. Same was, with me. Like, I wasn't a jazz musician, but my father collected records. Right. He collected jazz, funk, soul records. So it's like, I would hear records and I'm that sounds familiar. Go, I, would, I, I, I couldn't pick out immediately. I, I wouldn't hear Red Clay and be like, that's Freddie Hubbard. Right. I would hear it, that sounds familiar. I read the, the, the credits, I'd be like, my father has that record. Right. Mm. And go find the record. Boom. There yeah. it is. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to say Men Number Riders. That, I'm going to say um, Lyrics to Go. Uh -huh. I'm going to say Swahili Land. Ah, Stakes is High. Ahmad, Ahmad Jamal, Stakes is High. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is really hard. That's, those is, are two good picks, though. This is messed up. <laughs> oh, why are you doing this to me right now? <laughs> I didn't think of three, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my third, off the top of my, I'm trying, it's hard to get away from Dilla, man. He's so dope with the, yeah. with the samples, man. It, it was, it's crazy. I might have to go. Oh, so many though. Oh. How about 
Don't sweat the technique. Uh. Eric B and Rakim. What record is that? Um, my boy Rashad Smith did that. That's okay. Rashad did that. Oh, uh, shoot. Uh, don't sweat the technique. I just had a conversation with him about that. There's so many. But what resonates to me, I might have to go with. I might have to go with get this money. Big? For me. No. Dilla. Oh. Uh, what you say? Get what you say? Money. Good name. Hey, hey. Get th- that's, that's Herbie. That's Herbie Hancock. That's Herbie Hancock. That's song called Come Running to Me that he took that from. For me, though. though, though I mean, rest right now. Rest in peace to Ten, man. Man, rest in peace by Ten, rest for sure. Actually, I did a show. By the way, I'm doing a Dilla tribute when I do my, blue, my, my registry at Blue Note. I'm doing a Dilla week. I'll be there. I'm doing Dilla week. And T3, I'm going to have T3 there. Okay. Yeah, because I did a show in Detroit recently, and T three came, and we rocked a bunch of Dilla stuff. And it stuff, worked, man. right? When I when I was there, when I went to when I was work when when Bilal got signed, you know he we went to Detroit and worked with Dilla for about two weeks, and I got to hang with T three and by ten right. the whole time. Like we all went out. All, My you know. style um evolved greatly after getting to know T three in particular because what he did as a musician. When you talk about an artist becoming a part of the track, like like a jazz artist, like a trumpet or a saxophone. T3, Baten, Jay Dilla, they was doing that. And Dilla really had the lyrics in that group. Yeah. He was had the lyrics, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. T3 was doing things vocally that freed me up as an artist. I was very static. I was very like, I have to pronounce the words, and right. the raps have to be like, and T3 was like, hey. <laughs> you could tell he was kind of coming up with it. Right, 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 right. Which takes courage. Yeah. It takes Fantastic. courage. Fantastic. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, all that. Like, I was like, oh, wait, I, I don't have to say words? <laughs> and it can still be dope? It feels good. Yeah. You know who's good at that? Missy Elliott. Oh, yeah. If you read her we just lyrics. Had, we just, I just had a huge argument with some young boys that I, I fuck with. Yeah. Right? And we was playing Missy sh- shit, and they was like, they was like, Missy's one of the illest lyricists of all time. I was like, no, she's not. No, she's not. <laughs> and, and they was like, what are you talking about? I said, Missy's the GOAT. I was like, she might be the GOAT. Right. I'm not saying she's not the GOAT, right. but she's not an ill lyricist. I'm, you're talking to Talib Kweli over 100%. Here. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Exactly. Like, come yeah, yeah, on. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he asked me, one of my young boys, and I'm still mad at him for yeah, this shit. Yeah. He said, what gives you the right? I said, nigga, who do, who do you think you're talking you to? Me? What? Who gives you the right? Right. I said, listen. <laughs> I said, now keep in mind. I went on tour with Missy Elliott. Yeah. There's things that Missy do that I can't do. Yeah. I can't write a song for Aaliyah. Yeah. I can't write past this that Dutch. I yeah. can't write, you know, lose control. This shit that she do, does, she can write a song, a pop hit, an R&B hit, a dance hit. Exactly. I cannot do that. Exactly. She can't, she's not getting me on these bars. Yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Like, you yeah. see, I see you got the bars of Key shirt on. I'm out you know? here. You see you know? it. I see. You see you know? it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I told him, I said, it doesn't matter that. But you can't get me lyrically. Oh, thank you. I've buddy. never seen this someone carry school. around a pack of. That is old picks. school. This is old school right here. Flavored toothpicks. That's what I do. And how long mm-hmm. do they last? Um, each toothpick for me, I get rid of them like every ten minutes. Oh, okay. Right. I have like a hundred packs. <laughs> this is an issue. It's the problem. Yeah, see. I've been. I, yeah, people see. have tried to have uh, interventions for me to stop, but it's crazy. Yeah, that's. I can't. I can't yeah. do the toothpick chewing. Now, as great as you are as jazz. You won some Grammys, mm-hmm. and part of it is with Black Radio and putting it in the R&B category. Yep. I how, have to make that choice. Right. How yeah. important is that choice when it comes to Grammys? Um, I felt like the people in the room, you have to know the people in the room with the Grammys. So it's like the people in the room for jazz did not understand Black Radio. They, 
once I started doing, once I started mixing hip hop in my in, in R and B in my jazz in the jazz world in my in my stuff, people in the jazz world were kind of like, mm, what's that? Uh, you could tell they were kind of <laughs> like uneasy about it, and people in the R and B world were like, oh wait, I love right. this. What's I this? love this. What's this? Fresh energy. Yeah, fresh energy. So I had to make a decision, like to check which which box I'ma check, and I was like, my my label was like, mm, jazz. No, I was like. I had my ear to the street. I had my ear to the people, you know, mm-hmm. and and I chose to hit, put it in the R&B category just to see what happens. You know, I was like, I'd rather that because that's that's really what this is mostly for. You right. know what I mean? I did records for jazz for the jazz audience already, right? And they gave me no love. You know, I got. I mean, all my jazz records are number one album. They were number one when it came out, right? Speak the no, don't get that twisted. Don't get it fucked up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> you know but, but for this one, it was like, mm, I think this is going to be for everybody else. Right, you had King, you had Erica, you had Bilal. And there's so most. many stories. There's so many stories on each one, each one of the. Share one of them. I try. Matter of fact, Black Radio, I canceled it twice because it's too many artists and. I couldn't get all the schedules together. Mm. And when I tried to do studio sessions, nobody could come mm-hmm. and people would cancel. So I was like, forget it. You know what I mean? I went on tour with my band. We're in Europe. My manager calls me two weeks into my, I had like a month tour. Mm-hmm. Two weeks into the tour, my manager called me like, I don't know what happened. And because my thing is, I want to do everything live. I want everybody in the studio. Because mm-hmm. this is like 2011. Not a lot of sending vocals back then. Right. So I'm like, my manager said, like, yo, everybody's available next week. I don't know what happened, but everybody's available to be in L.A. next week. I said, oh, snap. So I canceled the rest of my tour. Mm. I flew to L.A. My homegirl at the time, Megan Stabil, was managing King. She said, and that's when they first had their, a lot of buzz Prince happening. Prince was in them. Erica was in them. Amir was tweeting about them. those days. I was like, yo, I want to mess with them. I landed from the airport, went to their house, because they had a washer and dryer. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I had, I said, I had my clothes, and I came up with the idea in the living room. And I said, y'all mess with that idea, I'm going to wash my clothes. <laughs> I wouldn't wash my clothes. Practical jazz. I, well, yeah, I wouldn't wash my clothes. And then at the same time, I used their house as a rehearsal space. So I called up Mos, and I called up Lupe Fiasco, mm-hmm. and I said, yo, I'm in L.A. doing the record. Can y'all come by here so we can figure out what we're going to do? Right. And King didn't know I did that, so I just, what's your address? Boom. So yeah. doorbell rings, bing, bing. It's Mos. They're all like, right. <laughs> you know. Right. Then I figured out something him. We don't fuck around with this. This is the name, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's like, oh, okay, yeah. Boom. Right. He leaves. A few hours later, Lupe comes over. Boom. They're like, you know, we come up with something for Lupe. Boom, boom, boom. And then King's like, hey, this is what we came up with. I'm like, dope. So that was that was the first two days. Right. Like, Lupe, King, uh, Yassine, and, right. you know. And so that that's how that thing happened. Then half of the record is, is cover songs because I didn't have any right. songs written because I didn't know I was going to be in the studio. Mm. Right. Is so Teen I, Spirit on that? Teen Spirit's on that. That's Blue. why I did that. So yeah. from Afro Blue to Teen Spirit. Yeah. And that's why I did those things, because I didn't know I was going to be in the studio, so I didn't have songs written. Right. You know what I mean? So that's why most of the songs on there are cover songs. And all those people are doing those songs for the first time. Erica, didn't ne- she never did Afro Blue. She sounds great. That's one of my favorite songs ever. She killed it. That's one it. of my favorite. Like, I play that. I DJ sometimes. Right. I play that in a club. Word. 
It works. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even if you don't know it. You know, like Afro Blue is a standard as a classic, but even if you don't know it, like you hear the way the way y'all arranged that, it's yeah. beautiful. She came in the studio, she's like, I never sang jazz before. Right. What am what am I doing? And she we sang jazz before though. Her name is Badu. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Badu, yo, Badu, I was like, right. you're jazz. Right. You don't she's have to jazz. think about it. You are right. jazz. Don't think about it. And we ended up drinking like two bottles of wine first. Right. And I played her John Coltrane's version, version of I played her a bunch of versions of it so she can understand how people have, have you know, murked right. it and everything. And then we did it and she smashed it. She did. Yeah. It was like it's written for her. 100%. The song All Yeah with Chrisette Michelle and Music right. Soul Child on there, that was just for music. It was, Chrisette wasn't supposed to be on that. I flew to Atlanta to work with the music on the song and I, it was like a three day, two, three day session and Fonte hit me because it was, there was some music festival happening and, and Foreign Exchange was performing and I tweeted like, yo, I'm in Atlanta. And he right. saw my tweet. He hit me like, "Yo, come sit in with Fornic. Come sit in with us." So I went to the festival uh, before the studio, and Chrisette Michelle was headlining the festival. So I saw her. I was like, "Yo," she was like, "Hey, blah blah." blah. We start talking. What are you doing tonight? She was like, "Well, I was flying back to New York tonight, but it's a storm, Hurricane Sandy. Mm. It's a storm, so I can't get home. What are you doing?" I was like, you "I'm in the right. studio." That's right. You should come by and hang out. That's right. So she came by to hang out, and I, was, I still let her a pen in the pad. I was like, here you go. <laughs> Since you're here. You know what I'm saying? Since you're here. There's so many. I always say the universe co-produces all my albums. When I go into making an album, I never, I never bank on everything I want to happen. Even when it's something bad, I feel like it's going to turn out the way it's supposed to turn out. And right. it always does, you know what I mean? So I go into it knowing. Because if you really want everything, to, the universe is better than you. It's smarter than mm. you, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. And I feel like, you know. Some people don't know how to trust that. Though. They don't know how to trust it. And if, you, if you want everything to turn out exactly how you want it to turn out, it's not going to turn out as good as it can, I feel like. If you if you put God in it, let him do what, what's happening. That's right. You, um, know? you came up under Roy Hargrove. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, shout out to Roy Hargrove. Yeah, shout out to Roy. Rest in peace. Yep. He was taken too soon. But I feel like he was very progressive with working on what a lot of different music. Like he laid his thing down on the jazz side mm -hmm. and then went out there. Oh, man. And he worked with a lot of, he was working with Common. Yep. You know? Common, D'Angelo. Right. Roy was the first, Roy came to my high school when I was in 11th grade. Him and his band. I had never seen a young black jazz band before, ever in my life. Mm -hmm. And they had, he had on Tim's. <laughs> he had on overalls, right? A baseball cap. I never seen that. Right. Only thing I seen is suits. Suits. I thought that's what you had to do, but I didn't know like black people had to wear suits back in the day because yeah. that's the only to way get on stage, right? to get on stage and to have any get, get any respect, which you're not you wasn't getting no respect anyway. But that's right. Respectability doesn't stop the cops from killing me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was a bar. That's a bar. For sure. bars. Yeah. One hundred percent. Pretty good. Um, Kendrick and Lamar has bars. Kendrick has bars too. You worked with Kendrick Lamar on what is arguably one of the greatest hip-hop records of all time. Yep. To Pimp a Butterfly. Yep. You're all over that record. All over it. Especially on these walls. Yep. How did you link up with Kendrick and talk to us about that record? Terrace Martin. Shout out to Terrace Martin. Terrace Martin, my bro. Yep, Terrace Martin. So when Good Kid, Good Kid Mad City came out, uh -huh. I called Terrace. I said, Terrace, this is my favorite album right now. That's and a when, fucking album. Bro. Yeah. And I said, when y'all do your next album, Please, for the love of God, please get me on something. I need to be on something. He said, I got you. So our, our, our swap was, he loves Herbie. 
I did As listen to Bun. Huh? As he, As should. he should, of course. So I um I was doing I had an album called Covered. I was doing an album in LA. Terrence called me, You in LA? I was like, Yeah, I put on Instagram and something I was in LA. He's like, Yo, after you finish, come by the studio. I'm at Dr. Dre's studio. I'm here with Kendrick. Right. I'm like, bet. Right. I jump in the cab, I get to the studio, and I get there just to play on one song. I get there just to play on um This Dick Ain't Free. Right. This Dick Ain't Free. Right. So I get there. <laughs> Ironically, I went there to do a more jazzier thing than I was doing at my own recording right. session. Mm. <laughs> so right. I did He's that. He's trying to do jazz. You trying to I was trying to do some, move other, away. some other stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I was trying to move away. So I go there. I play that one song. Kendrick's there. He's like, oh, snap. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. He starts just telling the engineer, pull up com- complexions. He, and he would just be like, pull it up. And I will listen to it one time. Then he'll say, play what you hear. Mm. So he would play it. I would learn it. And then he will, will take one take. Everything's one take. Take one take. Play what you hear. I play what I hear. Pull up so and so. Pull up this. Pull up that. Pull up that. So I did. I did nine songs in that album, in one sitting. Right. Never getting up. Just listening one time, and doing what I heard. And then I did these walls in in at Terrace's in Terrace's garage. <laughs> at his at his crib. He had a right. setup there. He was like, yo. So what happened with these walls? There's a piano solo in the middle of it. I didn't take a piano solo. When I first heard it, I was warming up, mm-hmm. and Terrace recorded the warm up. So they ended up cutting my warm up into the and song. And using it as a solo. And using it as a solo. That's song. how good you are. And I didn't hear it until the world heard it. Because remember how he released Pimp a Butterfly? It was like, Midnight, here you go. It wasn't like, you know. Right. So I heard it when everybody else heard it. I was like, oh, snap. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they put the thing in there. That's crazy. You know right. I mean? So that's literally how that happened. And then you, you won know? a Grammy for that. Won a Grammy for best hip hop song, yep, yep. That's my that was my that was my fifth that was my third Grammy. So I four I did I did um I got the Grammy for the uh, Miles Davis uh, movie I did with Cheeto. Yeah, man. Talk to us about working with Don Cheeto. He's the worst person ever. <laughs> <laughs> worst actor. No, no, that's my bro. Oh, yeah. Man, funny. He you tweeted, recorded all the songs on that, right? Yeah, I did all the songs and I yeah. So it so he the way it happened, he tweeted me like, yo. I love your album, In My Element. It's one of my jazz records in 2007. I was like, you're Don Cheadle. <laughs> right. I checked. I was like, it's really him. I was right. like, thanks. So we started DMing. It's like, man, I'm doing this. Don Cheadle's a beast on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yo, blah, blah, blah. We start talking. He's like, I'm doing this Miles Davis album. Would you would, would you be interested in doing the music? I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, you ever did the movie before? I was like, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> sure. Sure. I never did a, I've never done yeah. a movie before. So we talked about it. Brought me on. It was crazy. He had already shot half of the movie, so half of the movie, people already had already acted like they were playing or played some stuff that wasn't, you know, whatever. So me and my band had to watch the monitor and make it sound, make what you already see sound like something. You know what I mean? And then half of it, the other half was, we recorded some stuff, and then the actors had to come in and act like they, you know what I mean? Do that thing. So that was my first time ever doing a movie, and we won for best soundtrack. We beat out. Look. You're like Don, King Midas of jazz. Look, bro. <laughs> Everything I touch. Look, damn, Grammy. Look, Don didn't even think we were going to win. I didn't, honestly, I didn't either. Mm-hmm. When we got nominated, I thought that was it. Don didn't think we were going to win so much. He didn't come to the Grammys. <laughs> I called him that morning. I was like, yo, so where are we going to meet? He's like, man, I ain't going to go, man. He said, I'm going to go play golf. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, Don, if we win, you better get your ass to the Grammys. Right. We were up against Straight Outta Compton. Mm-hmm. 
We're up against the Amy Winehouse story thing. Wow. We're up against Suicide Squad. Right. And something else. So I'm like, we're not winning. Right. <laughs> Bro, they called our name. I thought, oh, I called Don from the stage with the Grammy in my hand. <laughs> I did a video like, <laughs> he's like, oh, snap. He got dressed. He got dressed and drove down. We had already rocked the red carpet, but I was like, I'm going to walk it again with Don. Right. Right. We get there, we walk the red carpet with Don, right? Uh -huh. Everything's cool. People coming over. Rick Ross was like, Don, can I meet you? He meeting him. He's like, right. I'm a big fan. Right. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, oh, I meet Rick Ross. I'm, right. I'm in there. I'm out here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Boom, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we get to the part where now it's time to go into the televised portion of the Grammys. Mm -hmm. But I was already inside. I didn't know that your ticket can't be scanned twice. So me and my family, my team, we all walk in there, boop, you can't come in. People were not let. they were not letting us in because we already scanned our ticket. Right. Meanwhile, people are passing me up, Robert Glassman, congratulations! <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yo, dude, I'm telling the guy at the door, yo, I just won a Grammy. That's look, me, that's I'm me. I'm like, here's the video, look, I just did it. Here's right. the same scene. You got the Grammy in the back? Yo, bro, it was the whole thing. And we finally got in. It was cool, finally got in. My dad, my dad loved, he was, he was there. He got to see us win. He got to meet Anita Baker. He died. Right. You know? <laughs> so, you work with Anita Baker, too. Huh? I did, yeah. Man, I love Anita. Yeah, and I didn't I, come out yet. No, I don't know if it's everyone come out. But <laughs> oh, my God. We did it. But but, but the, the whole album is not coming out. Right. But, but, it, but, but Anita Baker is one of the reasons why I play piano. Because right. my mother had the 45 of giving you the best that I got. Giving you the best that I got. Giving you the yeah, best piano. that I got, baby. Yeah. I did everything. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, that so. That sounds like Michael McDonald doing. Or look, Baker. they've never been. Anita even said, people always say me and Michael McDonald have never been in the right. same place. They think we're the same person. They say person. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, but yo, just, she's always, when I, so when I recorded, she's always recorded with acoustic piano. So uh, we were on Blue Note at the same time. And I tweeted one day, I'm going, I'm, hey, Atlanta, I mean, LA, I'm in LA, whatever. She tweeted me back, hey, come by the studio and DMs. I want to play you some stuff. I was like, oh, Anita Baker slid into your DMs? Wow. Anita slid into my DMs. It was her or her assistant? It was her. She, I'm she out think, here. It was her. She knows how to slide into DMs. I'm out here right now. Yes. She slid into my DMs. My DMs is crazy. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, bet. I get there. She plays me the album, we talk about it. She's like, man, I wish we could have worked together on that. I wish we could have did something. I said, look, I said, what time is it? I said, I'll write you a song in an hour. Look, I live and breathe Nita Baker. That's right. I live and breathe her. Her and Luther Vandross, live and breathe. Easy. Oh, man. I, I say, I'll write you a song in one hour. She's like, what? Wrote, I wrote a song in front of, in the studio, ran to my boy's crib, uh, Andre Harris. Mm -hmm. Ran to Andre's crib. Put the drums, the guitar, blah, blah, blah. My boy, Sir, came over, wrote lyrics to it, engineered his own vocal session, mm. whole song, sent it to her, emailed it to her. She learned it overnight. The next day, she recorded it. Mm. Wow. And she recorded it in one, one take. Right. And she was like, I've never had a, she said, I've only had three songs in my life that fit me like a couture dress. Mm. And this is the third one. I didn't know what a couture dress was at the time. That's Miss Baker <laughs> if you nasty. 
Miss Baker, if you nasty. Miss Baker. Yo, I was like, oh snap! Like that was one of the highlights of literally of my life. That's a beautiful that. story. Bro. I'm ho- look. I'm trying to. I'm gonna try to co- co- hoax her to get me to use that song for Black Radio Three. Let's make that happen. That you're gonna be on. Tell it. I'm Let's asking it, you now. Man. I'm asking you right now. Me and now. Robert got some classics together. Man. We do. You on, you on my record a couple times. I Boom. Did, I work with you and Kate Trinata. Yep. Exactly. That's a great record. Man, Shout I just out to Kate Trinata. Kate Trinata. Yes, indeed. I just looped right at home the other day. I was cleaning the house. Yeah, that's a good record. That's a good record, bro. So I you was, stole it. You stole it. No, oh, no, I didn't steal it. You stole it. I didn't steal it. <laughs> Tell him. You sent it to me. I, I know. I sent it to you for me. Oh. <laughs> Look. I was no. in Ferguson. Yes. Look. I was in Ferguson. I was talking to Don Lemon. I, I finished talking to Don Lemon. <laughs> Cursing Don Lemon out. I didn't curse him out. I just I'm let sure him know what it was. I gave him the business. Sure Robert Glasper is in my phone. <laughs> Talking about, yo, I seen you with Don Lemon, and I just wrote this. Yeah. And he sent me this shit. I was like, thank you. Yeah. So I'm like, and I'm like, next album. I'm like, but yo. But you didn't say I wrote this for me. No, I said, I got a song, blouse on it. I want you to please, I want, I, I want you to put something on it, and I want to put it out for the whole vibe of what's going on. I missed that whole part. For the vibe was going on. You missed so the I just whole heard, I just saw Robert Glasper Look. wrote this song. <laughs> And that's I, it. I sent it to him, so he and he hijacked it and kept it for like four years. <laughs> <laughs> it came out, though. It came out, though. It came out. It came out, though. Eventually. It eventually Listen, came out. I just got an electric guitar, and in about a month, I'm going to be ready. Put me on something. Are you ready? I got you. We out here. Listen, I'm about to teach myself. Don't worry. Come on. Now, speaking, <laughs> you're going to like this segue. <laughs> okay. Speaking of teaching yourself guitar, mm-hmm. let's talk about Miss Hill. <laughs> I told you you're going to like the segue. <laughs> now, if people want to hear you talk about Miss Hill on 97.9 The Box, yep. they could go to 97.9 The Box YouTube, yep. and they could watch the whole discussion. For sure. But you on that show, yep. you accused Miss Hill of stealing music, yep. and you also spoke on her mistreatment, in your opinion, of musicians, yes. and you spoke up for musicians who have worked for Miss Hill. 100%. Um, you, I feel like, saw yourself in a unique position to speak up for musicians because mm-hmm. a lot of musicians who were working for her who was like, yo, Miss Hill's the legend. I need the gig. And it's Miss Hill. Yeah. At that point in your career, you already had records on Blue Note. Yeah. Black Radio had already come out. Yeah. So you felt like, I, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you felt like I have a unique position <laughs> to speak up on behalf of the musicians. Yep. Do you still feel the same way right now? 100%, because mm-hmm. she's still doing the same thing to this day. Okay. Damn. Yeah, so my thing is, it, when you, when you, I've never worked with anyone that feels like you can't look at them in the eye. Mm-hmm. When I first got the, when I, when I was asked to work with Miss Hill, mm-hmm. they said, before she comes in the room, these are the rules. Don't look her in the eye and call her Miss Hill. Don't touch her. Mm-hmm. Don't try to shake her hand. There's so many rules. That's just uh, on a human level. I can't look at you in your eye? Mm-hmm. Who are you? Right. I'm like, you haven't done enough to be like that. The people who have done enough to be like that aren't like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're talking about people that you've worked with. That I've worked with. Right. You know um, what I'm saying? So people aren't like that. And, and the one thing that you did that makes you like that, you didn't even really do. Right. You know what I'm saying? You have to give it. There's so many producers that made that record. And that, and that record, that, that, that miseducation is like our thriller. It has a huge record. It's a huge record. It's very important, record. culturally. Super. Right. And for, for me, being a musician and producer, you know, those things matter. Credits matter. Right. You get a credit on that. People that people are still eating on being having credit for Thriller. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? You have a credit on a that one, that joint went like 15, whatever, 20 million. Yeah, a lot of records sold. A lot of records sold. And if you're not getting the credit on there, that that's your livelihood. That's your life. You know what I mean? And you're not feeding you're not feeding your kids how you should be feeding them. You know what I'm saying? And to this day, I know I know musicians that you know go on tour with her for months at a time, and they get off tour, and there's nothing. There's no money. Right. And she's on some. Well, you should be happy. You're you got a chance to hang to be with me. Wait, Miss Hill. Yeah. What are you talking about. Yeah. Miss Hill. He calls her Lauren. Lauren. What? I call her Miss Hill. These are real things, though. Like. You know what I'm saying? Once you start disrespecting people and, and their families, like you're not paying them, and you can't look them in the eye and all these things, it's like that's I I, I don't I can't I can't respect you after that. You know what I'm now, saying? And she, and you and you when you do it for 20 years, mm. and musicians don't have the plat all musicians don't have the platform I have to be on a major radio station talking. You know, and I didn't plan it. I've never talked about it ever. It right. seemed very organic. That it moment. was super. I've never talked that. My experience with Miss Hill was in 2007, bro. Mm. I never talked about it. I didn't right. think about it. I wasn't trying to go out there and blast her on purpose. They asked a question. They now, said, "Who was the worst situation musically?" I rewatched it recently. Yeah. And um, it's weird because in retrospect, it looks like. They already knew who they was asking about, but I don't think they did. I think they were just asking the question. They didn't you. know because I never said it in public. Like, they couldn't have known. There's not one interview you can go on anywhere and hear me talk about Lauryn Hill. Now, she wrote, she was very affected by what you said. Yeah. She wrote a very lengthy response on Medium. It wasn't just an Instagram post. Yeah. It was a very pointed yep. response, and she dove deep into every single thing that you brought up. Mm -hmm. uh, she says that why would you work for her if you know that she, if you thought she stole from your friends, why would you work for her? Because, I'll tell you why. Because it was in New York. I lived in New York. Mm -hmm. One of my best friends was the music director. Right. <laughs> one of my boys, the music director. Mm -hmm. One of my boys was the drummer. Mm -hmm. And there was only one show and it was 20 minutes. Uh, so you right. felt I'm around the corner. Yeah. It's like, okay, let me right. see what this is about. Right. You know what I'm saying? And let me maybe get her side of it. Right. I don't. I don't know her. She called me for three years to get me to come to West East Orange to play, right. and I never did. I don't. You right. know, and 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 you know, I'd be like, she wanted me to audition over the phone and stuff. Right. Play, can she you speaks. Play she speaks about that too. She speaks about the audition thing because you you talked about that in that interview. Yeah. And you're like, look, I'm Robert Glasper. You know what I do? Go listen to my record. Period. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But her pushback to that was. Everyone who I called was a great musician. Because you said that. You said, when they asked you, you said, was the band bad? You said, no, these were all stars. These were just some of the greatest musicians working, right? So she said, she also says, if I'm calling you, it's because you're already that nigga. Like, so, you already... So why am I playing over the phone? Well, because her point that she was saying was, I'm looking for a specific thing, and, you, uh, you know, you may not fit exactly what I'm looking for. You know, what do you have to say to, to but that? I, but I... I know how those auditions went because I know all the musicians. She's literally used more musicians than anybody. I don't know what our one artist that's used right. so many musicians and stolen right. from so many musicians. Like I don't know, I don't know any other artist. It's, it's amazing. Like I don't think you can run into an artist that has not played a musician that you know what I mean. The difference between me and a musician is that I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. All musicians are artists. I, I agree. So that that that's when that stopped. Right. I'm an artist. I don't need to play in your band. I have number right. one jazz albums. You're reclaiming your time. I'm good. Yeah. So if you want me to play, call me to play. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't audition for anybody. You know what I'm saying? I'm an artist now. I'm good. Good musician and artist are two totally different mm -hmm. things. So that's where I was coming right. from with that. Right. You know what I mean? And I've seen and I know how those things go. Right.
You know what I mean? And I wasn't going to be a part of that. But my thing was, 20-minute show in New York, around the corner, my boy's DMD. I'll do it. I'll knock it out. I'll knock it out. I wrote an essay. It's one of my most popular essays I've written called In Defense of Miss Hill. And it was written maybe two years before your interview. Mm -hmm. um, and my, I was the same way that you were defending the working musician who was working for Miss Hill. Yeah. I was defending, in my essay, the rights of the headliner to, you know what? to be not professional. You know, I, I feel like it's very important for me to establish boundaries. Like, I, I consider myself a professional musician, mm -hmm. but I reserve the right to not be professional. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, even if I'm not professional, I'm looking at Jimi Hendrix or Nina Simone or whatever, mm -hmm. like, I'm still gonna be t Talib Kweli when I wake up in the morning. 100%. My job description is not to be professional. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't like the show, you have the right to not ever come back to the show again. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I have a right as artistic privilege to not be professional. That's what I was defending. But if you're a, on a human level, if you're just, if you're, if you're being disrespectful to the point where you just think you're a better human mm -hmm. and somebody could not look you in your eye and you don't have to pay people, mm. that's a different thing. The pay thing becomes a different level. And of my thing, I didn't even mention pay. Mm -hmm. On the Hot 97 thing, right. I didn't even, I'm not Hot 97, 97, 97 thing, right. I didn't mention pay because right. in music, Payment, that's all a thing. Right. You know, everybody gets old, it's late, they don't pay me. That's the thing everybody goes through. I was going on a higher thing. I was like, as a human being, you're being disrespectful. And that's what I can't tolerate. You know what I'm saying? I can't tolerate you thinking, you can't, I can't look you in the eye. I can't tolerate you thinking, instead of getting paid, you should be happy with just being with me because okay. of who I am. And what made you who, and then what, the one thing that made you who you are, I'm not even counting the Fugees, it's that album, you know, it's, it's miseducation. And if you're talking about that album, that's what makes you who you are, then you ain't shit to me because you didn't do that shit by yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that's it. Even if you did do it by yourself, that doesn't give you the right to treat people like they're not human. Last Miss Hill question, and it's a two-parter. Mm -hmm. And for the record, mm -hmm. she's one of the most talented people on earth. Mm -hmm. I know this. Mm -hmm. Greatest, one of the greatest rappers, mm -hmm. I feel, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Dope ass rapper and a dope singer. Mm -hmm. So it's never, it's nothing. I'm not disrespecting the talent. I'm not trying to disrespect her at all. Mm -hmm. These are just facts. I'm speaking you, your truth. I can't tell you how many hundreds of musicians everywhere I go, they thank me because I'm the only one that had the platform or the balls or the, or the, the audacity mm -hmm. to speak out and say something. There are cats that are, we know bigger than me that can't say it because right. of some other political, you know, they can't really say things. They're thanking me. Thank you for saying that. You know what I'm saying? You, Thank you for speaking up. Because people always say also, I got calls from people we know, like, you'd have to blast her out. You could have talked to her in private. You don't know what I tried to do in private. Mm -hmm. For 20 years, everyone's tried to talk to her in private. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for 20 years, we talked to her manager. You can't get to her when it's time to talk to her about stuff. So at some point, you got to go on, you got to go out there and be, and I didn't know it was going to go viral. My music ain't never went that viral. Right. My, look, that interview went, went viral. When I tell you, I it mean, didn't. Charlemagne was talking about me. Yeah. Everybody was talking about me. My boy Van, um, Van hit me from, from um, what you call it, from uh, TMZ. Like, yo, they're about, Van to air, they're about to air this. Right. Do you want this aired? Van Lathan did this show, too. That's my dude. He's like, did you want, do you want this aired? Explain right. the whole thing to me. That's interesting, because Van mm -hmm. came on our show, and he said, before we run things, we I call past people. people. Yeah. So you vouch it for him. Right? 100%. I was in Japan. 
He called me like seven times. It was like, <laughs> wow, so he I was like, to make sure you there's got the something wrong. Something's right. happening. He's like, yo, I just walked into the office. This is on the desk. They're about to run this on TMZ. And I'm not a clout chaser. I'm not trying to benefit off this. I never posted anything about After that one interview with Lauren, it's not on my Instagram. I never posted anything right. on my Instagram. It's not on my Twitter account. Right. I, I wasn't doing it for any reason. They asked me a question. I answered the question. It happened to be the same year right. as her 20th whatever anniversary. Right. Right. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And you, you answered my question for me because I think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, I do think we have to own the fact that regardless of what your experience is and, yeah. and you know, people, there's, there's legends I can name yeah. that people working, people working for them had negative experiences yeah, with. I think that for her um, with the Miss Hill thing. I'm not even mad at that. Yeah, just, but all that, like, all of that is just, there's a part of it that you and me can't understand as men, yeah. as women, that she was trying to reclaim her time, just like you trying to reclaim the time for the musicians. She's trying to reclaim her time as a, as, a, as a woman. And there's a part of it that's like, uh, as her legacy, there's un, it's unquestionable. Like, and you just said it. Yeah. You can't, she's one of the greatest rappers. She's yeah. legendary. Yeah. And so that was my question is like, is she still a legend in your mind? And you said she was. She it's is. Just, you just uh, had to share your experience. 100%. And I know too many musicians who can't, who literally, people have got five, six kids and they go on tour with her for, for months don't get paid it's that thing and it's that whole like don't look at me that, that, that's the thing i'm saying it's not it's not the miss hill thing i'm not sure about that that's right. fine but when you when it comes to like i'm not going to pay you on purpose because of this right. and then don't look at me in the eye and then i'm not going to give you credit where it's due i don't i can't condone that no matter what you went through right. Right? if i do a job pay me for my job and i don't think that's a woman <laughs> thing that no but, well, no, I'm just, I'm only speaking to that because she spoke about it in her response to him. She spoke about why she calls herself Miss Hill. And because what you spoke on earlier, you said, listen, I work with Herbie Hancock and all these people and they didn't treat me like this. Mm-hmm. And if I were to compare, you know, they work with yours. Like, miseducation is great, but, it, I, you know, I'm, I, I wouldn't, I would, you, like, I'm, I'm speaking for you at this point, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't personally compare it with Herbie Hancock's live. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Her thing was, as a woman, I have to, set certain boundaries. I have to have people call me Miss Hill. No, I mean, I can understand the Miss Hill thing, but the no eye contact thing, that's what I'm that's talking stupid. about. Like, yeah. Miss Hill yeah. thing, yes, respect. I've whatever, worked with her heroes. No I've worked eye with, contact, that's I've worked with a woman thing. 100%. That's just a her thing. 100%. I've worked with Shaka. Right. I've worked with Aretha Franklin. Right. I've worked with Carly Simon. I've worked with Anita Bay. I, mean, I can go down the list of great female icons that I've worked with that didn't do that, mm-hmm. that could do that. If Shaka, if, Shaka was like, I don't want nobody to look at me in the eye, but okay. Right. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? If Aretha Franklin said that, I'd be like, okay. You right. know what I mean? But they didn't say that. So you you can't say that. Right. You can't nobody says that. Who says that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't I don't condone that. Quick question, just like a little bit. But uh, you know, uh, so when I went to um, I was in Maryland for my grandparents' funeral and they had like this bar where there was like a jazz bar and like, you know, anybody that was in the bar could go in and just get up in on the jazz session, like even if you were just like playing the tambourine. So do you still like, you just pop up at jazz sessions? Oh, like yeah. same thing, like Dave Chappelle would pop up at it, like an open mic at the comedy store. 100%. Like, yeah. I love it. I love popping up, you know. Um, I popped up, look, I popped up at a spot. I was, where was that? San Jose, somewhere in San Jose, I think, random. Walking down the street, I heard this band playing. I walked in, and they just had so happened that their set list, they were about to play one of my songs next. Wow. Wow. So I sang it. Wow. Look. And they, they didn't know you was coming? 
They not, I didn't know it was coming. I was walking, me and some a bunch of people was walking from a restaurant and I heard the band playing. But I love popping up and playing. Yeah. And I you know, Roy Hargrove was like that. Yeah. Roy didn't know care where he was. Right. He never was on some I'm Roy Hargrove. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And he never was on that. He was always just about the music and right. about playing. You know what I'm saying? I learned that from Roy. Another thing I learned from Roy, just just to, to, where we're talking about Roy, is, you know, when I saw him, like I said, saw him come to my school and he was wearing stuff that I would wear. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it connected with me. And I, I, that was a lesson for me. I was like, oh, because normally when kids see people play jazz and adults play jazz, they look, the, the adults look like your principal or something. You know right. what I mean? And... Jazz is one of the genres of music that has a dress code. You have to wear this. Mm-hmm. This is what you wear when you play jazz, mm-hmm. you know? So I never conformed to that because right. I saw Roy. So I wear what I wear. I wear what my story is. You know what no I mean? Doubt. I wear who I am. You know what no I mean? And, and to me, I feel like that's killing the stereotype because when you wear, when I wear this, but I'm playing at a jazz club and you're paying $75 to see me play, and then I walk on stage, they're like, oh, right. everybody that looks like that isn't going to rap me or doesn't, or, or doesn't rap. Right. Or you know what I mean, like right. yeah, I'm playing piano, I'm playing standards. Right. The, and and I, I remember when I first at the Village Vanguard in New York, classic my, club. Classic club. My my first album came out. It was sold out the whole week to the point where they upped the price on the weekend just because they knew it was gonna be sold out. Mm-hmm. And I would walk by the I would walk by the line, long line around the corner, and I would see people looking at me like, "What you doing here? What you?" What you doing? Right. I've had people ask me. They pay me. 75 to see you. I've had people ask me because a lot of times those are tourists and they don't know who they're going to see. Mm-hmm. They, just, they know. just know. I'm in the village. I got to go to the Vanguard. 100%. And it's like on something like, who are you here to see? I remember the bouncers being like, hold on. Like, what are you doing? What, you know? On, and it's like, no, you're, you're working tonight because of me. Right. You're like, this is, I'm right. playing. Enjoy that. Enjoy it. <laughs> 100%. Right. So I feel like I'm killing the stereotype when I just dress how I dress. Mm-hmm. I dress my story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I got that from Roy, you know what I mean? Because that's what he did. It wasn't about, like, having a dress code with the genre of music. It's about having a personality. Talk to me about working with Mac Miller. Because oh, I think a lot of people don't understand. Rest in peace to Mac Miller. Yes, but sir. a lot of Rest people don't peace. understand how musical he was. Man, Mac played bass. Mm-hmm. Mac played keys. The week he passed away, bro, literally two days before he passed away, we were texting. And he was trying to get in the studio. Right. And I was already in the studio doing something. I was like, oh, man, maybe let's try this this day, this day, this day. He was always trying to create, you know what I mean? And um, very musical cat. Like, yeah, it yeah, tripped yeah. me out. The first time I went that to the studio. That last record he put out, you know, that last record he put out, musicality on Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think I, the, I'm on a record with him, like, I forget the name of it. Oh, God is Sexy? No, what is it? Sexy? Something. It's me and Kendrick Lamar on, on, on the joint. And at the session, like, he literally was, like, on some, like, we could talk in music language. Yeah. You know um, what I mean? And, when he first came out, what, 2009 or so? Mm-hmm. He called me, and I don't know who gave him my number. I picked up my phone. There's <laughs> Mac Miller on the phone. I never heard of him. Mm-hmm. This is, he called me. He's asking me if I could feature on a song with him, and I'm Googling him as he's on the phone. Right. And I pulled up one of his videos, and it was a white kid. I was like, who is this white kid? Right. And then it was a million views. Right. And I never heard of him. Right. Like, this rapper I never heard of has a million views. Right. What, what are you saying? What, 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 right, 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 right. What's going on? What right. are you talking about? Right, right. And we start talking music, and he's talking about the beat and the sample and how he wanted to sound. Yeah. And I'm like, where are you from? He's like, Pittsburgh. Yep. And he's like, 
he went all out of his way to call me. We did a couple of records together, yeah. you know, and but he he sought me out. Yeah. I feel like he sought you out. Yeah, too. no, 100 percent. Like we would hang just on some hang shit yeah. and listen to music and blah, blah, blah. And I remember I did a show in Brooklyn and uh, that was my, the last time I saw him. Uh, there was a show in Brooklyn and he came to the show and he came and jumped on stage and we rocked, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and my son met him. But my son's the one that told me he passed away. Right. He was like, yo, dad, the rapper Mac Miller, that's the guy I met, right? Right. I was like, Your yeah. Your Yeah. He's like, that's the guy I met, right? I was like, yeah, what about him? Yeah, he's like, I think he passed away, Dad. Yeah, and I was like, and I was in the studio with Rashid. Right. I was in the studio with Common. We were in London. Right. I'm like, what? And I went and checked it, and it's, oh, man. It, it messed me up really bad, you know, really, really bad. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note, your Instagram is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he's always taking off his shirt. This guy's always oh, wow. fucking taking off his shirt oh, all the time. You have a body like mine, why wouldn't you? <laughs> Sexy all body right guy. Why wouldn't you? You see um, it. And you know what? If you go to a Robert Glasper show, there's gonna be some rapping. There's gonna be some bars. For you sure. understand what I'm saying? For like sure. you see his shirt. You it says it. bars and keys. You see it. I'm out here. So being that we got through a whole episode of People's Party mm -hmm. with Robert Glasper, I wanna know if Robert Glasper got any bars for us right now. Ooh. Keep bars, man. Let's get some bars. But I make bars up. I don't. I don't even keep them. I just okay. Cause I'm. I'm just. I'm like that. Let's hear some bars. <laughs> no beat. Just bars. No beat. No beat. This is real gladiator school bars. Gladiator school bars. From Mars. <laughs> Should I play bass or guitar? <laughs> <laughs> I might hit you in the mouth, or I might just spar. <laughs> Who knows? Striking the pose like Madonna. <laughs> Go to the desert, cop me an iguana. Hey. <laughs> Yo, I'm in the sea. I'm like a piranha. I'm out here. Really out here, though? I'm out here, though. I won't stop like a mosquito. Or a hoe. <laughs> mosquitoes don't stop. Mosquitoes don't stop, but going. I might drop like a cough. Drop. Oh, bar. Levels, son. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, come on, man. Bars and keys. I'm out here. Robert Glass. I'm out here. <laughs> you see it? <laughs> <laughs>